Hey, this episode is sponsored by the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Enjoy. Hey, it's Lauren here from the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Building a business can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The Raw Raw Spirit Team offers training and support to create an incredible life and an amazing business. And guess what? You get to do it with other like-minded people. Put me on your team to keep you accountable, to help you reach your goals, and to cheer you on. My mission is to help you succeed. Valued at $2,800 a month, you can sign up now as part of our intro offer for only $50 a month. Get this and more at our website at rawrawconsulting.com. Click on the Spirit Team link and try it today. Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm joined today by Sharon Chapman. Sharon is a relationship coach, a speaker, an author based at the Tranquil Glasshouse Mountains in the Sunshine Coast, Australia. With 20 years professional experience in assisting men and women, she uses her intuitive insight along with her expertise in 16 modalities that she integrates in her sessions. She helps with understanding and improving all relationships whether it's with a partner, a family, a friend, or anybody that you do business with. Sharon offers support to gain clarity, provide confirmation of what you already know, or sharing the wisdom of trusted guidance when leaving a toxic situation. She believes that healing seven generations back is the key to resolving the five emotions we all run from, anger, grief, shame, guilt, and fear. No matter what trauma you may have experienced, you can heal through love and compassion. So you are able to forgive and attract the joyous and fulfilling relationships that you are worthy of. Sharon is joining me today to talk about dealing with unexpected change. Hi, Sharon. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, hi, Lauren. It's my pleasure. So um, clearly you have done a lot of work um, just even based on, you know, reading your bio, that really would allow you to be the authority at talking about dealing with unexpected change. Before we sort of get into what unexpected change looks like and some ways of grieving and some ways of processing and working through that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, you know, sort of a bit about your background? I know that I mentioned that you are interested or you have an expertise in 16 modalities. So feel free to touch on those too, if you'd like to. Yeah, well, I guess um, it was early in my career. I remember doing contracting work for an agency. And in that uh, 12-month period, I had 33 assignments. So that meant for the normal person changing time um, work 33 times in a 12-month period. And during that time is when I was actually studying and, and learning a lot of these modalities and putting what I was learning into practice. And as humans, we like predictability and we like 
things to be stable in certain areas of our life. And I remember during that time, every week or two or three weeks, I'd be literally changing my workplace, having to get to know a whole new group of people. And so the modalities that I was learning, which actually helped with anxiety and stress and being able to calm the body in a very quick way, allowed me to integrate into those uh, environments and allowed me to feel a lot more relaxed and more in balance than I would have been previously. Why do you think, like, obviously you've had a lot of training in that, so that made you more maybe adaptable to be able to deal with change, but why do you think in general some people deal with change better than other people? Yeah, I definitely think there's... um generational and heritage is and also culture comes into that a lot so for some people it is in their dna that they don't necessarily deal with change or anxiety um, and quite often you can look at um, parents or caregivers who have the same kind of tendencies so first of all i look at the family dynamics and also the environment in which you were raised in because that is that is huge and then the second thing is just learning different ways of what actually stresses you because for some people it can be the little things and for other people it can be very different things so you've got to look at you as a person and go well what are the things that really matter to me and that cause stress in my body or my mind or my heart and really get clear on those and allow other people around you to know what they are or redefine your boundaries so you're not putting yourself in the same situations so it's basically understanding yourself and once you know that, you kind of can manage it a lot better and you don't put yourself into situations that will cause you the same level of anxiety or stress that you, that you perhaps once would. All right. So in a bit, I'd like to talk to you about some coping mechanisms or tips that you might have for people um, to basically deal with unexpected change if it's not let's say something that they were expecting. And I don't mean that. I just mean that if you're not planning for it, you know, essentially what you can do. But before we do that, do you think we can talk a little bit about what you alluded to with the generations? Uh, I did mention in your bio that you believe that healing seven generations back is the key to resolving, you know, some of the emotions that we run from primarily anger, grief, shame, guilt, and fear. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that looks like yeah so those five emotions um the anger grief shame guilt and fear is what i work with all of my clients because they are the five emotions that everybody runs from now with my work with my clients over the years what i discovered was that a lot of the anxiety and stress that people believe they're experiencing today doesn't actually belong to them so when you look at um you know great-grandparents and um, even two generations back, World War One, World War Two, that was happening, what actually gets um, happens is that a lot of emotions weren't dealt with in their lifetimes. So there was a lot of distractions such as hard work and, and different things that were happening, but they didn't necessarily resolve those emotions. So what happens is the belief systems, the thought patterns get passed down through the generations and through the DNA. And so a lot of people that come to me believe that they have a lot of anxiety and stress and depression and that they can't cope with change. Whereas when I'm actually in session with them, what we find out that up to 70% of what they are experiencing doesn't 
doesn't actually belong to them. So when we clear that emotional baggage that doesn't belong to them and it actually belongs to different people in their family and unresolved PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of that is actually brought down. And so people think that they have the stress and anxiety and depression, whereas it's actually just unresolved emotional baggage. Can you figure that stuff out without working with a professional, whether or not that's you. I know that I was in a Facebook group earlier today and somebody was talking about how they're feeling so stressed out. They have all this anxiety and they were asking if other people, you know, were feeling the same. And it got me thinking, well, is that really your stuff? I mean, are people able to identify it on their own, do you think, or should they be seeking a professional? That's a really good question. So what I normally say to people is, is this something that has come on suddenly? Like, were you leading quite a normal, balanced life and then all of a sudden you just felt really stressed, like you couldn't handle things, you, you felt overwhelmed? And quite often people will say, like, I was going along and then I hit a wall or this just came out of the blue. And you look back and there wasn't really that much that happened in their life. But all of a sudden, they felt as though everything was too much and too big to handle. And quite often, what we look at is the core language that they're actually using. And when you look at that language, it doesn't actually belong to them. It could be, uh, belong to a parent or a caregiver or somebody who has already passed. But what it is, is it's coming up to the surface to be healed because we want to leave, to live in a state of ease and flow. And so these these core sentences, these words, these belief systems are coming to the surface. So in this lifetime, in this generation, we have self-help books, we have the internet, we have coaches, we have groups, we have all of this stuff available to us that our parents and grandparents just did not have access to. So that's what I, when I work with a client is, do you feel that this belongs to you or do you feel that it belongs to somebody else? And quite often, probably 70 to 80% of the time, the, the answer that comes back is, no, I, I don't really feel that this belongs to me. I, it feels like it just comes upon me all of a sudden. It's actually pretty cool that we're in you know, the era now that we can have these conversations because I actually don't think that, you know, even, even going that not even going that far back, that it would be a normal conversation to go, oh, I'm feeling anxiety, but it's, I don't really think it's mine. That would just be kind of a, almost like a crazy thing to say. But now it sounds like we're having more open conversations about it as well, which I suppose is going to help people to identify. Yeah, and I think the wording they will say is, I, I feel like I hit a wall, or yeah, it just came over me all of a sudden, or I woke up one day and I just felt down for no reason. That's when, when it comes comes into your life and it's unpredictable and it's very sudden, that's normally an indicator that it has been, there's, there's a link to your heritage that you're picking up on. So you did sort of allude to it there, uh, mentioning, you know, anxiety and the like, but can you show me a couple of examples or can you give me a couple of other examples where, you know, this sort of pattern might show up because maybe people are acting in a way that they're fearful, uh, you know, but they're not really aware of it. So does it show up in a certain thing? Are you afraid of taking jobs or are com is commitment an issue and things like that? 
Yeah, quite often it can be related back to um, something to do with the career, with a relationship of some kind or with a health matter. So quite often when clients come in to see me, I ask what age it actually started. And what's been really interesting with me, if it's a parent in front of me, um, they normally have, um, just say that somebody comes in and they say, oh, when I was 10, I experienced a trauma. Quite often, they will come in to see me when their child is turning 10. And this has happened so many times now, I cannot go past it. So it's as if their child is reminding them of the time that they actually experienced that particular trauma. And so it's mirroring back to them something that is unresolved or unhealed. And they have the awareness that they'd like to hear, heal it so they don't pass that thought pattern or belief system down to their child, which they know unconsciously is, is negative in some way or disempowering perhaps. And so that's happened a lot where I see the exact biological age being mirrored in different, um, yeah, in different circumstances why people come to see me. And what's also fascinating is that a grandparent or a great-grandparent can have a very serious accident at a certain age. And when people come to see me, they have a serious work accident or car motorbike accident at that exact same age. And so quite often the symptoms and the injuries are very similar. So they might have a, a broken collarbone or there might be a broken pelvis. And so the injuries are exactly the same as somebody that in a previous generation has had. And the language, the core language that is used in this generation can actually be mirrored back to one or two generations deep. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating when you see the evidence and they go and do the research and they ask family members and they do a little bit of um, investigating and all that evidence comes to the forefront. So speaking of avoiding change, that sounds like something that many people would want to avoid. So I'm sure you know, our listener at home, much like me, was like going through, you know, in my mind, all the ailments that, you know, maybe my family members have had. So is there a way for us to sort of break the chain if we're not the one that maybe suffered with that initially, that we don't want to take that on, you know, projecting that into the future at least? Yeah, absolutely. You can just notice what goes on within your family. And quite often what we like, we mimic and we we do it out of love. So quite often if there's a caregiver that you really love and respect, if they have an ailment, quite often you'll copy it because you want to be in there with them. So quite often there will be a mother who has an eating disorder and a daughter will jump on board with that just because it's like a bonding experience. And there can also be certain ailments, certain diseases that people have so as soon as you notice that what you can do is you can say I love and adore this person and I accept where they are at and what they are creating but I choose to stay healthy in my mind body and spirit I don't need to experience that particular ailment or disease or behavior to actually be close to them our bond is connected in the heart and so I don't need to recreate what they are doing to to feel that bond you know, when you said that, what came to mind for me was that we almost want to be sympathetic to the point where we want to give our power away. Yeah. So as, as we all want to feel connection and love. And so when we are around certain people, 
we want to it's like being on the same team you want to speak the same language you want to laugh at the same jokes you want to to know that you can almost think and they know what you're thinking and I mean that's what a lot of good relationships people will comment on it's like somebody will start the sentence and another one the, the other person will finish it and that's praised and cherished and admired so what people are looking for is connection and love and the conversations and the love in your heart and how you can inspire each other is what you can put your focus on but you don't necessarily have to do a behavior that's going to be empowering um, to the point that you are disempowering yourself. So what I mean by that is if you share certain behaviors with this person, you can go, well, I like those three behaviors because they feel good to me, they uplift me, they feel empowering. But those other behaviors, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. I can understand that that person needs to do that for, for whatever reason, but I don't need to join in. There are other things that can bond us. Right. It's that whole thing. Misery likes company, but you're in control and you don't have to join them. <laughs> That's so true. And how I describe it to my clients is if somebody's in the quicksand, you're not going to save them by jumping in the quicksand. As soon as yeah. you put your leg in the quicksand, you're a goner. What you are looking for is for you retaining your balance and for them to look at you and come to you, back to you and go, you are in alignment. You are showing me stability. You are showing me where I can get you but you're never going to help anybody by going into the quicksand with them yeah yeah that's true so you were talking earlier about how sometimes unexpected change can show up by maybe dealing with a traumatic event for example or anxiety so I guess when I was thinking about unexpected change before our call I really kind of compared that to almost dealing with grief so you know does unexpected change often include a period of grieving yes it does um we don't see the thing is we don't we love we love change as long as we're in control <laughs> so if we're in control we like to have change because we know what's going to happen what we don't like is unpredictable change and so what we do is when something unpredictable happens, we look for a reference tool. Has this happened to me before? And if you don't have a reference tool for it, then it can be very confusing because you're navigating for the first time. And if you speak to any person who's gone into a job role that it's, it's a little bit over their head, becoming a parent for the first time, all of those things that you just don't have a a code book for you don't have a manual to actually follow you've got to kind of find it out as you go those situations can bring up the emotions of, of grief because you're not actually aware of what you are meant to be doing so that can that can play havoc because you're trying to navigate your way but you don't actually know where you're going or how to get there what are some ways that people do grieve because do you think that it's always obvious that someone's grieving? I think it's I think it's beautiful when somebody is very openly grieving because you know exactly what it is that they're going through and you can assist them. So when you see somebody at a wake or a funeral and they have tears streaming down their face, whether they're you know speaking about the person 
or everybody is just showing them concern and love. You can see that they're visibly upset. I think everybody feels very reassured because they know exactly where that person's at and they know that they can assist in some way with a kind word or a hug or however you can possibly help that person. But I do believe that a lot of people grieve in private and there's nothing wrong with that. Quite often I have clients come in and we will identify that grief is the number one priority for them. And they say to me, I haven't shared this with, with anybody. I go about my day. I haven't cried. I haven't let my guard down with anybody. And that's okay too. Everybody has the right to grieve in the way that they feel is right. And you've just got to do what feels right for you, knowing that there's support out there but you don't have to do it in a public way if that doesn't feel right to you or there may be one or two people that you can confide in or sometimes what I've found is that I will have deep and meaningful conversations with people that I'll never see again in my whole life and quite often people will have let their guard down and tell you some very personal information for the fact that you'll never get to see them again and that is a relief to them that they can just kind of share what they're really feeling but there's no judgment there it's just an interesting conversation and you offer some kind of listening ear genuine support and that they feel that they are genuinely heard and cared for so at the beginning when we were talking about the five emotions that we all run from grief is one of them but i feel like shame guilt fear and anger almost give you an excuse not to grieve. So you might feel shame about grieving or you might feel guilty about grieving or you might feel angry that you have to grieve or scared to grieve. It's kind of funny how those all, you know, work well with that particular, you know, emotion. So do you think that, you know, we have to grieve or is it possible to just feel sad for a moment potentially or feel nothing and then, you know, just carry on? There are some cultures who don't believe in grief. They believe that um, that you don't need to grieve, that you can release things instantly as they happen. And that's an easy thing to say. When I'm working with people, I always clear the anger, grief, shame, guilt and fear because there's always components of them in every single event. So I always do a complete clear out and I uh, always encompass all five because even if somebody comes in and they say to me, I am angry on a scale of one to ten I am ten I am livid I am fuming as soon as we go into that anger what I always find is that there's always the other emotions that are there underneath and there's normally one primary emotion that is being shown yet the others are always there so how I get the results with my clients is that I always clear those five emotions and it's okay to feel all of them at once or one at a time can we talk about the actual process when you say that you clear them? So what do you do exactly? Yeah. So first of all, I identify that it's okay to feel them and that you have every right to feel all of them and that you are also able to have the permission that you can release and let them go. Remembering that quite often if it's come from here, um, the, uh, sorry, can we just start that again, Lauren? <laughs> 
So quite often remembering that if it's come from generational trauma, it may not actually belong to you and that it's okay that you've taken it on board on behalf of somebody else because being in a family unit, that's sometimes what we do. We take one for the team. If there's a family trauma that has happened, quite often you see a caregiver or a parent or a relative who was upset and unconsciously you can actually take on some of that burden. So what we're doing is giving um, giving you permission that you that you do have the freedom to be able to release it and that you're not going to be giving it back or burdening the person who it actually came from because that doesn't feel good at all. And so I take them through uh, different modalities that feel right to me when I'm actually with them and that's with uh, intuitive and, and also they fill out a client questionnaire so I, I make sure that they are comfortable with what is happening and then I take them through different processes through clearing the mind body and spirit but also we identify it so they can notice a measurable difference on a scale of one to ten if they come in with a ten of anger by the time they finish the session I say where is that anger sitting they're like oh like a one and a half, two, and I go, well, great. That's and it will continue to to release, you know, after a week or so. But they, you have to actually notice a a tangible difference in how you are feeling, and that you feel different about that particular person or situation. So, do you do that through some sort of meditative process, or do you do that through EFT training, or how's the actual like process of pulling out these? emotions what does that look like yeah so first of all I ask the client do you want to talk about this some people do not want to talk about the event or the situation or whatever is upsetting them they just want to release it so first of all I ask them do you want to talk about it or would you just like to release it and in that there's a lot of relief because <laughs> some people yeah. believe that they have to talk about it so do you want to talk about it or not if they do want to talk about it what I can take them through is advanced EFT which is the tapping and I also include hypnotic language I include color therapy I include um, NLP and essential oils inner child healing matrix re-imprinting as I'm actually going through with them and what I'm looking for is their body starts to release and they have very little control over that. So if they want to talk about it, quite often they will start to laugh, start to cry, the body will start to tremble, they can kick up, they can do all kinds of things. But all what's happening is the body is saying that I am releasing this. And then we quantify and, me and measure it at the end. If somebody doesn't want to talk about what is actually happening, then what I do is I will go to their higher self and I will do the healing um, in a very different way. And quite often if people have experienced quite severe trauma, they don't want to go into it. It's too painful to even look at. So what we do is we go in a different way via their higher self. We then resolve those five emotions and then often what happens is they're happy to talk about it because there's no underlying emotional trauma or the, the those five emotions are not being triggered. So that's the interesting thing about when people come in and they say, I don't want to talk about it. Once you've actually resolved those emotions, 
they're happy to talk about it because it no longer triggers them. And that's how you measure. Um, are you okay with this situation? Because you can just talk about it very generally, just like a normal conversation. There's the voice stays consistent, the emotion stays consistent, and so does the energy. And that's how I know we have atoned that situation because it feels harmonious and they can have it, uh, they can talk about it in a, in a conversational way and not be upset. Right. So do you think there's ever a situation where it's important to have these emotions? I mean, there might be a listener at home going, yeah, but it's good if someone feels guilty if they cheat or do something wrong, or it's good to feel angry if somebody cuts you off on the road. You know, is there a scenario where these emotions are actually appropriate or not? They're always appropriate and you're feeling them constantly throughout your whole day. What you're, what's, what's a good thing to do is that you notice it and you can understand it and you don't allow it to stress you. So, for example, if somebody cuts into me on the freeway, what I normally go is, hey, you have no right to do that. And I acknowledge that I'm angry. I'm angry at that. How dare you do that? And then I go, you know what, is this person worth my cortisol level, which is my stress hormone being raised? Is this going to matter in five minutes, in five hours, in five days? No. And I just go, and then I always go, you know what, maybe they're, maybe they've got a sick animal in the, in the car and they're rushing to the vet. That might be a pregnant woman in the front seat. And I just allow a story to come to my head that will just atone it. And then I just let it go. And that normally happens within about 30 seconds. Whereas before, I could spend a whole, a whole car journey, which could sometimes be two hours, seething over that one incident. <laughs> so what you do is you're noticing it, you're feeling it, you're interpreting it and understanding it, but then you're letting it go as quickly as possible. So it doesn't, it doesn't linger in your body and it doesn't cause havoc with your central nervous system, with your hormones, with your adrenals. And, you know, you're feeling a lot more balanced and harmonized continually throughout the day. So when you said that, that, you know, made me think that when you're dealing with clients or people that are dealing with they're basically dealing with unexpressed emotions and that's mm -hmm. what you're going in there to clear out. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm reading a book at the moment. I don't know if you've read it. Have you read the untethered soul by Michael Stinger? No, it's very good. I'd recommend it. I'll put a link for our listener in the show notes as well. But basically what he's talking about is how we spend a hell of a lot of time avoiding these basically some of these emotions that you're talking about here, but primarily focusing a lot on fear. And he's mm -hmm. saying that, you know, we live in these lives where once we've had a, a, an experience happen to us, we basically try to build a life where we avoid anything that could potentially upset the apple cart, so to speak. And exactly what you were saying there, he's talking about, you know, how when these emotions happen, to really just relax and breathe and let it go. Because what I'm hearing from, from, well, from that book, but from you, is that if you're not letting that go, then those emotions tend to get stuck inside you, which then set up other challenges for yourself, such as not being able to deal with change, um, not being able to cope with grief in the healthy way, um, and whatever other, you know, issues those those end up causing. 
Yeah, yeah that's so true. So I, whenever those emotions come up, I always am thankful. And then I understand what it is that's there to teach me and then I release it. And that way, it's like a, a train circuit that's going around. And it's like it, it, it keeps going in a continual circle. You are, The energy circuit is continuous. So as soon as you stay stagnant in one of those emotions, it's going to go to one of your major organs. And that could be your heart, your lungs, your liver, whatever it may be. And so... Every time you have a stagnated emotion, it is sitting in one of your organs. So what I normally do is I make sure that whatever emotion I'm feeling, I express it. I thank that it's there. I understand why it's there. And then I let it go as quickly as possible because I don't want it stagnating in my body, but I'm moving through it. I'm not dismissing it. I'm not putting it, pushing it away. I'm happy that it's there yet I'm moving through it and I'm harmonizing it. Mm -hmm. Because moving through and experiencing it, although it's uncomfortable, it won't kill you. you know? It doesn't. Your emotions yeah. are meant to be there and, and they yeah. are very beneficial. And sometimes um, if somebody is mirroring something as well, if you come across you know, five or six really angry people in a day, it might be like, well, you know what? Maybe this is some repressed anger inside of me that I wasn't acknowledging and quite often if there's more than three things that happen in a row to me that's normally a sign that oh, there's something there that I need to examine in myself there's something that I'm missing that's being pointed out and again um, we live in an inclusive universe so excluding something or trying to push it away it's just going to come back twice as <laughs> twice as fast so always include it just go okay that's interesting and and just be light and playful and curious about it. I wonder what that can be. I'm open to exploring it. And I always um, compare it to a, a Labrador puppy who's just out and, and playing around and having a sniff and, and curious and playful. Oh, I wonder what that could be. And when you're in that playful and curious state, you're more open to seeing it as something that is there that you can move through as opposed to it being an obstacle. Yeah, I like that because I think sometimes people who aren't taking the time to get to know themselves better or maybe on this journey yet, that they would look at outside forces as being the problem without recognizing that there's something in them that's essentially attracting that same sort of frequency or that same kind of energy. Always. And one thing that my husband says to me, if, if I'm, if I am unsatisfied about a person or a situation, he always says to me, well, you're 50% of it. And that always stops me in my, in my tracks. And, and I remember the first time he said that to me, I did not like that at all because I was projecting. I was just like, no, it's 100% the other person's fault. It's 100% yeah. other. It's nothing to do with me. And so uh, now I am a little bit more reflective and I kind of go there myself. Yet if I don't, he points that out straight to me. And it always bring, brings me back to the truth that, on some level, I'm attracting this for whatever reason to either examine something within myself or move through something. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to use that. I like that very much. So I just have a question about grieving and then we can move on. Um, so I'm, I'll just use a scenario. So um, there is, okay. So let's say somebody is dealing with a trauma and they, um, 
almost want to keep that going. They, they just don't want to get over it. Do you think that, you know, a coping mechanism would be setting a date and go, okay, I'm going to allow myself to grieve up to this point? Or, you know, do we set deadlines on grief? If that, if that works for you and that feels good for you, sometimes you do need some time just to get over something. And remember, if it was a significant person or situation or relationship, you're allowed some time to process it. So I think when you're setting a deadline, what you're saying is that you want some time to come to terms and, and just kind of get everything settled in your heart and in your head. And that's okay. You're allowed to take time to do that. But I think there's also a cutoff point where you go, you know what, when I get to that point, even if I haven't reached a point of resolution, it's time to let it go. It's time to move on and, and to move into back into things that really light me up. It's okay to grieve and to give myself some time, but there also needs to be a little bit of a stop point. And I think we've all been there when we've you know, gone to the casino and you can go along and you can go, you know, this is my stop point. I'm going to have some fun here, but this is my stop point. And you, we all need to have those because yep. we can we can carry around the grief. For, I've seen one of my clients was 94 and she carried around the grief from the age of three. Oh my, that's awful. And it's, it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. And you know, yeah, can you imagine just the weight of that on her for so long? That would just be, yeah, it's almost as though you're half living for a lot, a long time if, you know, depending on what, what it is she's carrying. Yeah, remember those, those emotions of anger, grief, shame, guilt, and fear, they're very heavy on the body they really slow you down and so when people resolve them they always say oh, I feel so much lighter and I feel so much freer and I have so much more energy and quite often people will come in and they lose weight as a part of this process and they go it's like I just all of a sudden this weight just released from me and I go well yeah because you've been carrying around these emotions and the behaviors with them that keep you in a heavy state yeah it's because people get addicted to their story you know this is my story I made up of all these things that, that have happened to me uh, you know I follow Eckhart Tolle's teachings and you know he talks a lot about just letting letting it go and being here in the now and it's not it's not always that easy to do and I think that you know a lot of people get addicted to to these emotions and you know, wanting to tell their sad story. And remember that those sad stories can often be generations deep. And that's why it's important that people are speaking them because it, they're coming to the surface to be acknowledged and heard and validated and healed. And in this time and place, we have the ability to do that. But quite often in, in other generations, things weren't talked about. They were swept under the carpet. I mean, even one generation ago, two generations ago, having a child out of wedlock, <laughs> that was a sin living with a partner who wasn't married was frowned upon you know um, even you know um, the the homosexuality that that is being very open now and yeah. that has only shifted while I've been alive so all of those like same-sex um, relationships 
shifts and all of that, that has only shifted in this generation. So each generation makes big shifts with what it is that they are dealing with. But there's also, when you look back, there's a lot of stories that are very deep that people didn't have that freedom of speech. They weren't able to express themselves. And so quite often when people are telling the story in this time and place, in this lifetime, it's actually an echo from a loved one, a past relative or another generation that didn't, that weren't able to express themselves. They didn't get the chance. And it's that echo, that grief of, I never got my say. So sad in a way as well. I mean, I know that we're talking about the positive and working through, you know, sort of those negative or those dark, you know, issues, but it's, you know, in a way, it seems unfair that we have to take that on. <laughs> yeah. So what I say to my clients is if, um, so for example, one client came in and they had a lot of artistic ability and the echo that they kept hearing in their head was, I never get to express myself creatively. And we traced it back to a great grandparent who had artistic ability, but they had to basically work in a certain area and not explore that. So what I asked this client to do was just close their eyes and call on the soul of this beautiful relative that had this expertise and knowledge. And what she used to do, she used to put on certain music and and kind of get into a meditative state and create these beautiful artistic pieces. And as she said, it's as if as if this person was here and sometimes the paintbrush is moving and it doesn't even feel like me so quite often we can call upon the soul and they can still express themselves through us even though it was seven generations ago because you are now allowing that ability that talent to flourish in this time and place so it doesn't have to be sad it can be the most wonderful experience um, for everybody concerned Do you think that just static energy, so just things not moving as well, is almost something that you need to work through, you know, being stuck? We haven't really talked about that, but being stuck would almost stop you from changing, but at the same time, you're stuck. So how do you move through that? Yeah, so being stuck is normally um, when there's a lot of fear and quite often that can be traced back as well to somebody actually doing something and they came to some kind of a harm. So they were criticised, they were put down, they were shunned by their family or society. So there's a belief system that if I go out and do that thing, it's actually dangerous to me. And for some people, they actually lost their lives over it. So if there's a belief system that going out and doing that thing is going to endanger me in any way, then you're not going to do it. So quite often when people say I'm stuck, when we actually go a little bit deeper, they actually realize that they feel that they're in some kind of danger. So when we atone or resolve that, they can then move forward and do that thing. And that's just like, wow, I just, I feel like I can go ahead now and I can do it. And it feels really good. And there's there's positivity around it instead of apprehension. I think one thing that's amazing is when you don't look into this kind of work or self-help or you don't explore, you know, alternative ways of looking at the world that there's a large part of the population that would have no idea that they can have a totally different life 
Yeah, and quite often something will happen, something significant. So there'll be an injury, there'll be a death of a loved one, there will be something dramatic that happens, a disease in the family, there could be a career change, there could be somebody, a loved one who passes. So something significant will happen and then they start exploring different things. Mm-hmm. So that being said, change is inevitable, as we know. (laughs) What are some ways that you would recommend that people can deal with change if it's something that they're not used to or, yeah, not able to do, you know, very easily or on their own? Yeah, so when you're in that state and something unpredictable has happened, you need really simple things that you can do that are 100% dependable. So what I suggest people do is even just making a recipe at home that they have tried before and they know is going to turn out. Something as simple as that. Picking up the TV remote and flicking on your favourite program at the time that it's allocated, speaking to a person who they know and trust, Um, going outside, you can do some breathing exercises because you are in complete control of your breath, you are in complete control of your emotions, you are in complete control of everything that you see, put on music that you really love. And one of the other things that I say to clients is if you feel that everything's kind of out of your Um, that you can't manage it and it's out of your control, quite often people will find a lot of relief by watching something that they've already watched before. So they may put on a DVD or a movie and they may watch something already knowing the outcome because they can just feel that sense of um, certainty. So what I suggest to people is just start with really small things around the home that you can do that will lead to an exact result. And then it's just like little by little, you're starting to, to kind of build that muscle and you're starting to feel a little bit more secure and confident so that those things are around you. And then the other things is, is I guess, just speaking with people and allowing other people to support you when you're going through times of change and transition and knowing that nobody feels comfortable with it unless they've kind of had a say in it. Nobody likes being dealt blows. <laughs> like just yeah. don't. And I would normally, if somebody is going through a physical illness, I'd say speak to somebody who has actually been through that illness and come to the other end. If you are speaking to somebody who has experienced a certain injury and you have incurred that exact same injury, speak to them when they've actually got to the final stage and they have recovered from it because it gives you the ability and your mind needs to know that there is a finite point, there is an end point. And as soon as there's an end point, straight away the mind relaxes. It's only when there's unpredictability and we don't know what's going to happen. It sounds to me like a lot of that can come down to what you can control right now in this moment. Exactly. And it's just the little things that you can actually control that will allow you to feel that you are able to start and finish something and that you know that when you finish it, it will have the same result. And that works wonders. I've seen people who have been in situations and the other thing that that really Um, matters as well is that quite often there can be a lot of changes within a very short amount of time. Now if there's a change of job, if there's a, a relationship that comes to an end, if there's a move of home, all of those things are very high ranking with 
stress and we deal with them very well if they come at certain stages and they're predictable. But quite often those things can happen, two or three things in a row in a very short amount of time. And that's where I find that people come unstuck. It's not that the, the event happens, it's that two or three will happen in a very short amount of time. And in that situation, I just say you have every right to feel, you know, that, that things are a little bit out of control at the moment because they are. And that could yeah. be somebody who has, um, you know, recently um, lost their home due to a natural disaster. I mean, it literally turns their whole lives upside yeah. down. And so for those kinds of situations, I would always say reach out for support, reach out for your community. You do not have to do this by yourself and that there is help and support around you and don't go it alone because you're not meant to. Yeah. So can I flip the script on that for a minute and ask you the opposite question? If somebody at home is wanting to try new things and maybe step out of their comfort zone and you know, maybe make changes. Do you have, you know, is it sort of this similar advice, one small step at a, at a time? Or do you have any anything else that, you know, might be helpful for people wanting to maybe break out of their shell? Yeah, I would say have as much fun as you possibly can. And so when clients say that they want to start doing different things, uh, what I normally suggest is, is going to an art class with a group of people. So whatever you put on that canvas, it looks like a three-year-old has done it. And you're just having a good time. You're just focusing on the fun and the play, not the outcome, not the that it has to be perfect. You're just there to have fun. So all you're doing is showing up and interacting and having fun. Um, if it's meeting people, going to a group activity and just having one or two conversations with people and just doing things that make you feel good. So you're not actually trying to achieve anything. So I think what a lot of people do is they, they, they start new things and they have to achieve so much within that certain time frame or from that particular activity and it's like just go along and have fun and see what happens and it just takes the pressure off and people will often come back and say oh I went to that art class and I did that and I've enrolled in this and they're in a completely different place because they're just doing it for the fun of it not because yeah. they have to achieve something and it's good to just have a couple of things that you just go and do and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad or indifferent you're just there to turn up and have fun that sounds like some work that you would be doing with the inner child, right? Yes, yeah. And so if you are able to do any activities with children, um, when children come to visit me at my property, we were on, um, we've got grass outside and I have water guns and we fill them up and we charge around and chase each other and shoot and have fun. And we just, we all get saturated and it's just, it's just one big mess. But everybody's laughing and our heart rates are up and we've probably done 25 minutes of exercise, but you don't even notice it. So I just think things like that, just go into it. What's the most fun that I can have in this activity and just do it and include the inner child. And if you can be with children, get down on the ground and play with them and roll around and allow that inner child to come out. Mm. Um, not only will you bond with, with your inner child, but you're going you're gonna to bond with children very quickly. We definitely take things far too seriously, you know, as adults. You know, the mind just makes things way more serious and 
not as fun naturally. I don't know why we grow into that mindset that everything needs to be so, I don't know, narrow and so disciplined. <laughs> and you know what, Lauren, you know what I've seen is that the, the number one thing that people look up um, when they're watching videos is bloopers. Bloopers. Oh, I don't, that of course everybody wants to see a professional newsreader and everything but every time I see something where there's a you know one of those reels of the newsreaders and all the, the wacky things that happen to them I will watch that over the news any day and so yeah. when people are looking at things they're looking for I mean there's been shows that have been put together of the, the funniest home videos and all the bloopers and everything if I was to say to any person would you rather sit down and watch this news bulletin or would you rather watch um, a, a reel of the bloopers that have happened to the news readers? Um, what would you rather watch? And I guarantee you they'll always want to watch the bloopers because everybody wants to have fun when they're doing something and they always want to see other people have fun. And, of course, you also like to laugh at people when things go wrong. Yeah. We all do that. But people want to have fun. Yeah, they do. And I, I've actually seen some hilarious bloopers. So I'll put a few links to those as well in the show notes, because maybe not all of our listeners take the time to watch bloopers, but they're definitely, definitely hilarious and worth it. And it's so fun to just laugh. You just feel good. I mean, obviously, but it just, it changes everything. So one of the things that I always um, recommend to clients that are suffering stress, anxiety or depression is to look up comedians that they like on YouTube, on TV and to watch something like that for 15 minutes a day. And quite often they'll come back and they'll say, that was life changing. Just doing that one thing. If I put that on first thing in the morning, it just got me in the right headset. Just somebody being able to allow them to laugh and to bring out that positive mood. So it's all free. It's all right there for us. So yeah, yeah. incorporate it in your daily life. Yeah. I watch a lot of puppy videos, not going to lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're just hilarious. They're wonderful. So um, it's already been an hour, believe it or not. Time just flies when we're talking about interesting things. Is there anything that I didn't ask you today that you'd like to bring up in relation to unexpected change or dealing with unexpected change? Yeah, I think just go with the flow and allow yourself to to feel what is happening to you and know whatever you're feeling is okay and that you've always got love and support around you. It's always there to ask for. And if you don't feel like you're coping, always reach out because one of the things that people tend to do is if we don't feel that anybody else understands what we're going through, we tend to isolate ourselves and then it starts on a downward spiral. So that moment that you go, you know what, I don't think that I'm coping very well. The moment that you reach out and you ask for help is normally when you start to feel that sense of connection and belonging and that the other people have gone through something that you have. And humans love to feel bonded with love and connection. And quite often the, the deepest connections that we form are sometimes in ways that we will be going through something together. So 
parents that have just had children at the same time will often bond. You will often meet people when you are going through some form of challenge and you will start bonding because you're both moving through those exact same emotions. So if you feel that you need help, by all means, reach out. I love that. Now, you can get more information on Sharon at her website, SharonKChapman.com. Sharon, do you also do, you know, online consultations and things if people are wanting that? Yeah, I, I do consultations online for people. Um, I also treat at the Glasshouse Mountains on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, but I also do online consultations for people as well. Okay, cool. So they can, I'll put all Sharon's links in the show notes as well, because she's got Insta and Facebook and a website. Thank you so much for being with me today. We definitely learned a lot. And um, yeah, I, I really, you know, I just hope that our listener at home does take a moment to assess whether or not, you know, their life can be improved because you would not want to be 94 and still carrying something that you can let go it just, it, it's just not worth it. Like it's not worth it. Yeah. And one of the sayings that I love is either you get better or you get bitter. Yeah. So you can get better, you can move through it and evolve or you can stay bitter. And um, I've seen those people and yeah, you want to get better. <laughs> yeah. It's true because you have this one precious life, you know, and who are you not to be you know, living your best version of that. Like mm -hmm. everyone's worthy of that. So cool. Well, thank you, Sharon. I um, believe that you're going to be a um, featured guest on many episodes. So it's just great to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Lauren. Looks forward to speaking with you again soon. Me too. Thank you. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.